nothing like good, cool, refreshing water and drinking in front of y'all. When's the most thirsty you've ever been in your life? Can you remember? It's amazing when that moment happens when we're really thirsty and all you could think about is some cool water. Uh, it kind of consumes you and maybe even looking back now, you can't remember those moments. But is there a moment in your life that you remember being ridiculously thirsty? Uh, maybe uh, looking back, if you played football, maybe it was coming up in August, those double sessions or triple sessions and you just spent everything you can and you just they're just longing uh, for something to drink. Maybe for you runners, it's that long run in a hot day like today, which makes me say, what's wrong with you? We got air conditioning, for goodness sakes. Drive around if you want to see. For others, maybe it's a really salty meal and you just get that longing for cool water. We thirst. We thirst because we live our lives. We expend energy. As we expend energy, life makes us thirsty. But the thirst that we have goes so much more than just a physical need for water. We know that we can't live without it. But because we are made in God's image, we are made to be known and loved by a God who is. And because of that reality, we thirst for God. Augustine would say it this way, that our lives will forever thirst or they'll forever wander until they find their rest in God. And because of sin, because we're broken, because of uh, the depravity that has come into our lives, we leak and we long for God's love and attention and favor and we continually spiritually thirst. But there's such good news that Jesus has come to those who are thirsty. And Jesus has come to give living water for all those who long for more. For all those who long for life. For all those who long for fulfillment. For all those who long for meaning. For all those who long for joy. For all those who long to have their sins separated from them. For all those who long to have a relationship with God that works. For all those who long to be adopted into a family. For all those who long for a love who's eternal. For all those who long to have God call them by name. Jesus has come. And he says, come and drink. Because I want to fill you with living water. Now that is some good news. Let me, let me take us to Scripture We're going to look to uh, John, the Gospel of John, and just look at two verses this morning. John 7, verses 37 and 38. And uh, we pick up the story here in John where Jesus has gone to the temple kind of reluctantly. He didn't go right away. Uh, There was a a big feast, uh, tabernacles going on, and uh, Jesus' own brothers mocked him, said, why don't you go up there and kind of reveal yourself? At this point, they weren't believers. They They were critical. Uh, They were uh, uh, making fun of Jesus. And eventually he goes to the temple and all this feast and all this religious uh, ceremonies is going on. And and there are Pharisees who are in the crowd that are looking to arrest Jesus, that are angry with him because they can't figure out the authority on which he preaches. And they can't figure out how they can't control him under their 
thumb and, and the whole world is abuzz because of a man named Jesus. And, and the, the Israelites had gathered into the temple and they were now about ready to hear Jesus proclaim another one of those unbelievable Jesus' proclamations. Listen to God's holy, inerrant word from the Gospel of John, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Interestingly, Jesus had been in the temple sitting down and teaching, but here during this last day, the great day, the urgency was such that he must stand in the midst of the masses and cry out. And he says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let us pray. Father, there was an urgency that Jesus had on that last great day of the feast that he could no longer remain silent. His posture could no longer be one of sitting among the many. Maybe seeing the ceremonial waters being carried in. Maybe looking around the crowd and realizing in a place like Jerusalem how thirsty people were for truth and for meaning and for life and for purpose and for forgiveness and for a Messiah. Jesus, You stood up. And out of love, love for Your Father and His glory and out of love for those who are lost, out of love for those who are thirsty, You cried out, humiliated yourself in the midst of everyone's crying out, bringing attention to yourself, saying, if anyone thirsts, come to me. Father, I thirst for you. And I know those brothers and sisters of mine here who gather in your name, we thirst for you. We thirst for your truth, for your reality. We thirst this morning for your touch and for your presence. Would you come and would you speak in ways that we can understand. And would you be so tangibly here that we're changed to be more like you? Father, would you give us ears to hear your Son's words? And would you give us the Holy Spirit that's promised here in this passage to come and to fill our minds with light so that we would be able to understand what's required of us and what you provide for us? God, would you... Would you give us a heart of belief? This passage says, He who believes, come. Father, I pray that you give us the heart of belief. And Father, I pray that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pour upon us so that we would walk out of here filled with living water. That Father, we walk out of here flowing with your love and truth to a world that is desperately dry and parched and longs for truth. God, those are some mighty claims and requests and only you could fill them. So come and speak, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Who wants to sit on a plane next to a preacher? If you want to go on a plane and sit next to and strap next to a preacher, there's something wrong with you. Go get help, all right? Really. 
But for those of you who do, for the most of us, we don't want to really sit next to a preacher. And being one, it's kind of hard. So when I go on a plane, I kind of want to go under the radar screen. I'm not necessarily proclaiming what I do and, and uh, who I am. It's funny, my dad, when I got ordained, uh, he's not here this morning so I can pick on him. Um, my dad, when I got ordained, he, he bought me some collars, uh, some shirts with collars, and I got all kinds of collars and different color shirts. So I'm like, Dad, this is a really nice gift. But in our tradition, we really don't wear these. And it might confuse people. They might think I'm something I'm not. And I started thinking, well, maybe if it gets me in first class, I'll wear them. But um, it hasn't yet. So with that reality that no one wants to sit next to a preacher, myself included, I, I want to tell you uh, about Brandon and Brandon's story. I met Brandon a few weeks ago. I was on the last flight from JFK to Syracuse. And uh, the last flight on a Sunday night, uh, I'm assuming not a lot of people will be on that last flight from JFK to Syracuse uh, on a late Sunday night. And so when I boarded the plane, it was one of those really small little teeny jets and I was already worried because I can't stand, I'm claustrophobic and already having to fold myself up like an accordion and squeeze into the seats is something difficult and I know that it's only going to be a short flight and I always ask for emergency exits because sometimes they give you just a little bit more room. Well, I got on the plane and there was very few, I was one of the first ones to get on and I noticed that as I walked in down, I was like, uh-oh. There was already someone, although there were just two seats here and there was two seats over here, there was already somebody already accordioned into his seat that was about six foot four. I'm thinking, uh-oh, this ain't going to work. So I didn't say anything. I put my, my bag up and I slid over across the aisle into the seat that wasn't mine. I sat down. I thought, who's going to Syracuse? This plane's going to be empty. And much to my surprise, it filled up. And before you know it, some lady came. And she didn't have to say it. She looked at me like, you're an idiot. And I, I knew it. I said, yeah. I know this isn't my seat. I'll go fold myself over there. So I, I did. I, I got next to this guy, and it was hard to tell uh, what his nationality he, he was. He, he looked uh, Puerto Rican, maybe African American, very tall. I uh, found out he was six foot four. Uh, I found out his name was Brandon. So Brandon and I started talking. I don't know if it was the, the dim lighting in the cabin or the late hour or, or Brandon's eyesight, but he said something like this. He said, you look very polished. Uh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I said, oh, Brandon, do you really want to know? He goes, yeah. I said, uh, well, I don't think you're going to believe it. He said, well, well you, you work secret service, don't you? You're, you're like undercover or something like that. I know I'm not undercover. Uh, Brandon, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. He looked at me. He said, man, I've sat next to two of you on this trip. <laughs> oh, man. God wants me to talk to Brandon. And Brandon told me he's in a second career. He's a hairdresser. He used to be a dancer. And he pointed to his pigmentation or the lack thereof of his skin. I, I got pigmentation disorder, he said, which was very obvious. And he said, I grew up with this. And I said, man, that must have been hard growing up like that. He said, it really was. I went to school and people said, what color are you? Who are you? I mean, are you you're black? You're white? What are you? I said, man, that must be really hard. He told me, he said, my dad left when, he was, when I was six. I said, man, must be hard. He was a, he was a war hero. And, and Brandon said, I used to be a dancer. And um, that career is tough being six foot four. And that career is gone. Now I'm a hairdresser. And I'm in my second career. And I'm a recovering drug addict. I've got to tell you, I'm a recovering drug addict. I've, I'm in a second step of a 12-step program, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And 
And a few minutes later, he says, you know, I'm, I'm HIV positive. And there I sat next to Brandon, a guy I tried to avoid. Not because there's anything wrong with Brandon. I just wanted leg room. And God said, no, Brandon's thirsty. Go and tell him that he's not disqualified from my love. Go and tell him about the amazing grace of a God who is. And Brandon already had started to drink from the well of the gospel. And his life had already started to percolate with life. And he kept on saying, my mom was going to be so amazed. I sat next to a preacher. And I cannot believe that you man, man, it's like God designed this. And I said, Brandon, it was for me, man. It was for me as much as you. I needed to hear about you. And I needed to make a friendship with you. And I needed to be your friend. And I want to say thank you for sitting next to me. But the biggest thing I wanted him to know and the biggest thing the Holy Spirit put on my heart is to share with this man. Brandon, you, my friend, are not disqualified from God's love. The only thing i got to tell you, Brandon, is you're not. And the reality of this message that I love this morning, and we look at John as the reality is so beautiful that none of us are disqualified from God's love. What does this little passage tell us about Jesus? This little scene in the temple. What does this little passage tell us about ourselves? Let's look back again at John 7.37 and see this. It teaches this about Jesus. First, that Jesus is the source of of living water. Jesus is the source of living water. Listen, it's not found, life is not found in religious ritual. There they were in a feast. There they were fulfilling what they thought was the law. There they were doing religious ceremonial things, thinking that maybe their quenching of their thirst could be quenched, their thirst could be quenched through religious ceremony. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's nothing to do about this ceremony. Really, I am the fulfillment of this feast. And I and I alone, it's a personal thing about if you are thirsty. It's not in religion. It's not in ceremony. It's in a person of Jesus Christ. And he also tells us that not only Jesus is the source of living water, but we realize that it's not a location. It's not a, it's not a ceremony or it's not a location. I mean, they, they went to the temple because that was the place that God had placed His name. And that was holy and significant. And that was different than any other place. But Jesus comes and He, he realigns the reality of God's people. He said, if you are thirsty, don't try to quench your thirst in a ceremony. If you're thirsty, don't think you're going to quench your thirst in a pilgrimage to Mecca or a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. If you're thirsty, as Isaiah 55 said you would be, you can only quench it in a person that is God in flesh. So what does it teach us, this little passage? It teaches us that Jesus and Jesus alone is the source of living Water, not in ceremony, not in place. What else does it teach us? It tells us that Jesus' offering of living water was so amazingly bold. I mean, again, I've told you, he stood up. And the boldness of Jesus standing up in the crowd, you may say, well, what's the big deal? If you read chapter 7, you realize the Pharisees were out for him. I mean, his life was ebbing away. The cross is in focus. He's heading toward that cross. And yet, in the reality of those who wanted to kill him, 
and silence him. He boldly stands because that's how much he loves sinners. And that's how passionate the message of salvation burns within him. That he'll stand and he'll be bold. And he'll be proclaimant. He'll be brash. As the ceremony's going on, he's brashly going to proclaim, that's not about that. It's about me. And brashly proclaim to a thirsty world, if you're thirsty, drink from me. And it was beautifully liberal. Beautifully liberal. He said, listen, if anyone thirsts, come. And just the beauty, he didn't say if you're a Jew and if you've been circumcised or you've been baptized or you've been catechized or you've been Christian schooled or you've been whatever. He said anyone, liberally, anyone who is thirsty, that's the qualification, come. You know, sometimes with Christianity, we're told that we, we we're so narrow-minded that Jesus is... So narrow-minded. I mean, how can someone say that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life? I mean, aren't there several ways for us to find truth and knowledge? And aren't there several religions that offer a quenching of our deep and longest thirst? But according to the Bible, according to the reality of who Jesus is, as God's Son, he's the only source. And listen, listen to this. We get criticized as Christians that we are, we are, are narrow-minded. We get criticized that we're not open-minded, that, that we have this Jesus being the only way, truth, and life. But if God did send His only begotten Son, and if His plan was for us to be quenched through our thirst only through Jesus, isn't it the most benevolent thing that Jesus could do if He is the only source of life? Isn't the most benevolent thing He could do is to stand up and boldly and audaciously proclaim, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If He is, the most loving thing He could do is make it clear for those of us who have had the grace of God to drink from that well, know that He is. And that reality, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, one of the things we do when we're on vacation in upstate New York is we go antiquing. Um, I usually go looking for just antique books. I want to find old Bibles. I brought one back that was signed in 1865 given to a friend, says, I watched you be baptized, brother. I'm praying for you. I just, I held that Bible and I, I thought the Civil War was going on. I'm thinking, you know, what was, was he going off to battle? Was he fighting in it? And I just loved holding the history. And we looked at it and we said, maybe it was a quill pen. And it was just so cool. And I bought a book from 1904. And I read this book from 1904 that talked about our paradise home, the new heavens and new earth. In Christ Jesus. It talked about Christ's kingdom coming and all that that meant. And you know, I sat there and I read it on the shores of Owasco Lake and I drank from a well that someone else drank from. And it was really just the same well of Jesus. And I felt so connected to the fact that this well of Jesus is amazing. It's for Joe and the team down in Mexico and those at Casa Hogar. It's for all in this world. It's for those who have gone before us. That's Jesus he is the only well. He is the only source. What does it teach us about him? We all could come. And man, is it an everlasting well that never gets dried up. What does it teach us about ourselves? Well, it teaches us about ourselves that what our qualifications need to come to Jesus. 
And I love this reality. Look what it says in John. What was the qualification required to come to Jesus? What was it that you needed to have? A need. Thirst. Isn't that beautiful? What does it teach us about ourselves? To come to God, all we need to come to God is a need to come to God. (laughs) Man, oh man, is that good news. The reality that don't clean yourself up. Don't, Don't try to make yourself better. If you have a need for love and life that only I can meet, if you are thirsty, come. It tells us that we're to come as we are. Whatever sinful sores on the lips of our lives that we have accumulated, whatever ooze and pusses out of our brokenness, whatever is wrong, whatever is broken, whatever is sinful, Jesus says, come. Come and put your lips on the well of my grace in my life and drink. Come as you are. Come without money. Come and, and, and drink deeply from me. What does it tell us about ourselves? Our only need is our need. And that is so gracious. And I love the fact he says this. He says, come and what? Not come and watch. Not come and learn. Not come and observe. You know what he says? Come and drink. Come and drink from me that you long for to have your soul filled one of the antique shops that we went to, I was really disturbed as I was going through the antiques and I, I kind of startled and I turned back and there were some signs that I not typical for the north. There were signs that said color entrance only. Color, colored water fountain. And I was like, wow. Reminded of the sin and hatred that we've had in our own country, dividing ourselves over something as stupid as skin pigmentation. And that we would have certain fountains that were only available to those of certain colors. Can you believe we were ever that stupid? But that's not our God. Our God doesn't have a colored only or Jew here and Gentile over there or sinner or saint. He says, come as you are and come freely. Isn't it beautiful? We have to come by one thing. It's this. We come to Jesus by faith. Not by our feet, but by our faith. He says, for all those who believe in me. For all those who know who I am. John Calvin said this about this verse. We don't frame Christ according to our fancy. But we believe in Christ as revealed in Scripture. And here's what he's saying. God calls us who are broken and thirsty to come. And come to a Jesus not like a Mr. Potato Head God that we make. We come to a Jesus who is and who's revealed to us in God's holy word. And we come and we acknowledge that he is not a liar, not a lunatic, but he is Lord. And we bow and we submit ourselves to him. We say you and you alone are King of kings and Lord of lords. You and you alone are the source of life. Your blood and your blood alone is sufficient to wash away my sins. Your righteousness and your righteousness alone is sufficient to robe me and clothe me and make me beautiful in Christ. You alone are the conduit to life. You alone are the access to the Holy Spirit. You and you alone, and by God's grace, because you've given me the ability to believe, I come. And I believe. 
and I drink. You think that's a good message for Brandon? It's a great message for me. It's a great message for you. That God calls us to come, anyone who is thirsty, and drink. We can never, Brandon, be disqualified from God's love. But amazingly, the flip side of that, we can never be qualified in and of ourselves for God's love. I met Brandon flying back from a memorial service in Graveside that I did from one of our beloved members, uh, a hero in our midst who went to be with Jesus, Colonel Weathersby. Uh, Colonel Weathersby, as I had the privilege of doing his graveside over at Bushnell, a military cemetery, and had the privilege of doing his memorial service uh, and gathering information about his life, a life I knew, a life I observed, a life I loved. I thought, this is a war hero. I mean, this man, he had flown in three different conflicts, World War II in Korea and Vietnam, that he had uh, three uh, distinguished, flying distinguishing medals or some kind of medals and a bronze star, and that he had flown in his time, his lifetime, 14 different airplanes for our country. And of all the stories that were told about his heroics and who he was as a husband and as a dad and some great stories, the one that intrigued me most was the fact that his three sons took their dad, their hero dad, to Dayton, Ohio, to a war museum. And there at this war museum, they had 13 of the 14 planes that he'd flown on display. And he was able to walk from plane to plane and say, well, this is the missions I flew here, and this is what I did here. And, and there was a cool story about this big bomber that he did a barrel roll in. And they thought, are you kidding me? And they later found video that he really, someone actually had done a barrel roll in this huge bomber. But then he swam, he stood next to his favorite. I think it's the one he earned most of the medals in. And it was a F-84 Thunderjet. And it was roped off. And there you see a war hero, a veteran of the war, one who flew that plane, knew that plane, earned medals in that plane, shuffle over with his cane and stand by that plane. It became obvious to one of the uh, volunteers or workers that were there that that man does not need to be outside the ropes, that there's something going on with that man in that plane, that he deserves a being in the inside of the ropes and next to that plane. So went over and they moved the ropes and the barriers and there he shuffled over and he put his hand on the fuselage of this jet that he had flown and earned medals in for his country. Why? Because he belonged on the inside. But the reality of God's love is that none of us belong on the inside naturally. That our sin has disqualified us and there's ropes. We say open up heaven's doors. There's ropes that block us from God's love and God's presence and God's reality. But there's one hero of God's word. There's one war hero. There's one hero of scripture. There's one hero of redemptive history. And his name is Jesus, God's own son and savior. And he came and he defeated God's enemies and our enemies. Death and sin itself on the cross. And that, that, that tomb is empty. And the victory is secure in Christ Jesus. And you now you know what he says? He's on the inside of the ropes of God's love. He's on the inside of the ropes of God's presence. And he looks to all those who are thirsty, wandering outside the ropes. He says this, come to me and I'm going to get you in. 
I'll move the ropes. I've moved them. I've moved them all for you. Just come to me. If you're thirsty, come and, and drink. That's the only qualification you need because I'm the hero of the story of the Bible. I am the captain of your salvation. And all that I've earned is the righteous, beloved Son I give to you. And do I love the captain of my soul? Are you kidding me? Because you and I don't deserve to be on the inside. It's not natural for us to be on the inside. We're disqualified for being on the inside of God's love. But we're there in Christ Jesus. And you ready for this? We'll never be banished from it. We'll never be pushed back outside the ropes. That's where we are. Man, does it make me love Jesus. And man, does it make me want to drink deeply. Because I know I don't belong. But I do in Christ. What a message to come and to drink deeply, realizing that I'm not qualified, but Jesus is. I met Liz on a flight from Charlotte to Syracuse. I had to make a couple trips on vacation, and one of the trips I met Liz, and Liz is a brilliant woman, a vibrant, uh, just uh, a great personality, fun. You can tell she's bright and what she does. She's, she uh, uh, works with uh, Alzheimer's and, and uh, uh, stroke victims, I should say, and, and how different drugs can help them. And um, Amazing woman. And uh, immediately when I sat down next to her, I thought, this, this, this person, this is going to be a delight. I'm kind of nervous about a flight. And man, she's a great companion to talk with. And I started hearing about her story. She tells me about her 24-year-old daughter that she's still in college. And she wants to say, well, she's, she's a little slower because, you see, she's blind. She was born without eyes. I said, Liz, what was that like? What was it like to have your firstborn born without eyes? So my world crumbled. It was hard. And she told me more about her son Cameron and how on his 21st birthday she took him helicopter skiing and how they did that together. I'm like This is like one of the coolest moms ever. Someone turns 21 and she's getting in a helicopter and going flying up some mountains and go skiing down. Like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And, and then I, I didn't hear a story about a husband, so I was bold enough to ask. I didn't see a ring. I'm like, Liz, tell me, are you married? And she said, no, about 15 years ago, my husband walked out on me and left me for another woman and left me with these two kids. And I'm thinking, you have a blind daughter who's about nine, I think, at the time. You have about a six-year-old son. You've been abandoned. How in the world are you navigating life, Liz? And she said to me in the early parts of the conversation, she said, you missed the best seat by one. You see, because we were sitting in an emergency exit, although there were three seats, there were two here, and there was one that was missing. She says, if you were one back, you could have stretched your legs out forever. I said, yeah, I know I missed it by one. It's amazing. I was on the same flight yesterday and had the exact same seat. And she said, oh, you must fly a lot. I said, no, not really. I, I don't usually fly. I just happen to be flying a lot lately. She said, what, you do, what do you do? I said, oh, no. I said, Liz, I'm a pastor. And she said, I got to be honest with you, Jeff, I don't like religious people. She seemed, they, they seem so arrogant. They seem so volatile. They seem so closed-minded. I don't like religious people. 
I said, I got to agree with you there, Liz. I don't either. They scare me. But Liz, I found a God of grace. I found a God of grace who is. And it's changed my life. And she literally turned her face toward me. And she heard the word grace. And she said something like this. It's been my lifelong pursuit. Grace. I said, Liz, I, I heard about in Australia, in a remote part of Australia, I, I read a story about uh, farmers who just can't, they don't have the ability to, to farm in the animals. It wouldn't make financial sense for them to put huge fences along this remote area. So what they do, instead of building fences, they dig wells. They dig wells that are deep enough to have cool water and that cool, fresh water percolates up and they found out that the animals never wander too far from the well of water and life. And I said, Liz, to me, that's the God who is. He is a well of water in my life. He has quarried deep in my life. He has filled it with living waters. He, the gospel, the good news of the gospel is the reality of a gracious God who loves and who gives and I can't wander too far away. pursuit of grace. You see, Jesus tells us in this that He is the well of living water. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a bucket. And the Holy Spirit is that well of living water inside of us that quenches our thirst and flows to others. I love the paradoxes of the Bible. I love the fact that Jesus calls his people the salt of the earth. And salt makes you thirsty. And he tells us that out of our bellies in the Holy Spirit should flow living water. That in some amazing way in God's story with us here at this church and with us as his people, that we are to live our lives in a way that makes the world thirsty. At the same time quenches it. As it points to Jesus and the Holy Spirit flows through our lives into others. We're supposed to be living water. And it's, I picture that, that, that well in, in Australia, and it's such a great picture of the gospel. And I think it really should be the picture of the church. That's, that's who we are here at Orangewood. I mean, God has quarried us deep. He's places right here. He's filling us with the Holy Spirit and the gospel to be living water for all those who are thirsty to come. And to drink from us. I mean, that's, that's who we should be. Outflowing from us should be the reality of living water and the good news of Jesus Christ. I was in this antique store and, and my parents knew the owners really well. And they, they had those moments where, you know, you want to introduce your son. And they, my parents had bought books from them, religious books. They bought me a Bible. It's like huge. I don't know how to do as big as Bible I've ever seen in my life. But if you need a big Bible, I got one. And... Uh, Man, I thought about thumping someone over the head with that. You'd just kill him. It'd be over with, you know? <laughs> and I met, I met the, uh, the owner's wife, and we started, you know, getting to know each other a little bit more, kind of standing there and, the, you know, doing the who are you and where are you from kind of thing. And 
And she knew I was a pastor, and she knew a little bit about Florida, but she started asking me whereabouts in Florida. I said, I'm in Maitland, Florida. Uh, I'm a part of a church called Orangewood in a school. And she said, hey, I have a nephew in Florida. I want to tell you his story. Can I tell you his story? I said, yeah, I'd love to hear your nephew's story. Sure, tell me about it. Well, it's kind of a sad story. So I'm hearing a lot of those lately. So sure, let's, let's hear your so- sad story. So she says, my nephew, he, he was growing up in, Phil- or in Pennsylvania, and that he lost one of his parents about seven years ago to cancer. And about a year ago, he lost his other parent to cancer and basically became an orphan. And he had a, he had a move to Florida. And, and he was sent to Florida to come and live here with other relatives. And they aren't very religious, but this boy is, is a religion. He's, he's a follower of Christ and, and he, he's interested in God. And would you maybe call him or can you reach out to him? Or, cause I think he's in your same town. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know this story. I mean, I don't know a lot of this story, but, I've heard this story before. I'm like, oh, tell, tell me, well, where does he go to school? A Presbyterian school in Maitland, Florida? He goes to our school. I know this kid. He carpools with Talbys. Many of you loved him and are loving him and providing for him. And I'm so proud to think this place is a well. This place has got living water. I just picture God smiling. I'm going to send you to an antique store and tell you about a kid that you don't know about that I've sent to your church and school already. <laughs> your people are already loving on him. I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I was so, I was so proud to be able to say, I, I, I know that story. And I know that boy. And I know he's been loved well. Let me ask you this as we close. Have you quenched your thirst in Christ. You're all thirsty. You can't live life and not be thirsty. Have you come to Jesus at a point in your life and drink, drank deeply of his grace and love and mercy? Because you can't quench your thirst anywhere else. Money, sex, fame, the world has to offer, it will only make you more thirsty. So the story for those of you who have never come to Jesus in a way that you have believed in Him, embraced Him as Lord and Savior, is drink deeply. Let me ask for the rest of you who have come to Christ. Are you drinking deeply from the well? Wouldn't it be foolish for us to live near a well of living water and only sip occasionally? Wouldn't it be foolish for us to live on the outskirts of the well and only once in a while come and drink deeply? Wouldn't it be foolish if God says, come and come anytime, come and bring buckets and buckets of worth and drink and drink and drink and there's never going to be a flow that is exhausted? Come. Wouldn't it be foolish of us to only Drink occasionally. Come and drink deeply from the reality of Christ. It just seems like we live our lives in a way that they just kind of, we put so many things in the flow of this living water that kind of dam it up and dry it out. I think of uh, waterfalls that are close to the cottage that we go to in upstate New York, and it's amazing when the rain comes and the Rain comes off the hills and these waterfalls just start teeming with life and teeming with water. And after just a few days of not getting water, how quickly they dry up. And you look at the rock formation and the little stagnant pools that are formed because of the blockage and not 
freely running water. And I think of the reality of our lives. How many things do we dump into our lives that dam up living waters? How many things do we put in our lives that get in the way of living waters flowing into us and through us? How often are we drinking? Do we go weeks, months, really longing and knowing and loving and worshiping and sitting at Jesus' feet? Drink deeply, my brothers and sisters. And secondly, are you leading others to living water? Do you know that God has us here as the world's drinking fountains? That's what we are. I mean, this is what the scripture says, that he's poured in us living waters. Why? So we could be the world's drinking fountains. So we have this amazing privilege of being a conduit to a God who lives and filled with the Holy Spirit and somehow we can touch the lives of those around us that somehow God gives us an amazing privilege of being conduits of water fountains for Jesus. And the privilege of seeing our lives touch and water others. Who do you know who's thirsty? Who do you know that's thirsty? What brandy do you know? What Liz do you know? I mean, write it down. I mean, seriously, write it down. I mean, this thing, who, who, who do you know that's thirsty? There's something, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a kid. Who do you know that's thirsty? This week, we're going to go and ask God, how can we quench their thirst in Christ? How can you use me to be living water? For Brandon, I took him home from the airport. We got in about midnight at Syracuse, and I said, Brandon, you got a ride home? I had a car waiting for me. He's like, no, I got to grab a cab. I said, you're not grabbing a cab. I'm driving you home. And on the way home, I reminded him over and over again, you're not disqualified from God's love, Brandon. And I said, there's some things I want to give you. I want some books I want to send you. Do you mind if I get your address? I want to send you some things and kind of help you along the journey. He said, I I love that. Well, when I, gave, I got out of the car and we got his bag out, I just put my arms around this six-foot-four, HIV-positive, former drug addict, pigment-challenged, beautiful man, my friend, and whispered in his ear, you're not disqualified from God's Liz is too self-sufficient for me to buy her books. I knew she wouldn't let me. She wouldn't let some crazy pastor buy her books. So I said, will you, will you buy some books? If I give you some, will you buy them? She said she would. And sent me an email, said, I'm in California, heading home. I think my mailbox is filled with some books you gave me. She said, you know what, Jeff? I come through Orlando sometimes, and I'm going to come and see your church. Will you look out for Liz? She could be here. She could be here any week. Listen, Liz's show up every week here. And we walk by them and say, I don't know them. I'm not going to talk to them. Can we be family and love one another? Because there's some Liz's here today. And I'd love you to see somebody you don't know and just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Jeff. Who are you? Tell me your story. Look for Liz's. Maybe for you, for the person the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind, let me ask you, maybe, maybe you're supposed to make a meal, maybe you're supposed to send a card, uh, maybe you're supposed to go have coffee, I don't know. But let me tell you this, you have the privilege this week, Orangewood, if you're a believer, to have living water flow out of you. Don't miss the chance. Drink deeply. 
our God who's been a help in ages past is still help today. Let's come and drink. Sing to that reality. Let us pray. And Father God, thank you for quenching our thirst in Christ Jesus. The most gracious thing that you could have done that day, Jesus, on that great day of the feast, is to stand up and proclaim the most amazing reality that you and you alone contain living water that satisfies our soul. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the promise of that verse that comes and quenches our thirst and fills us with living water. Father, I pray that this place, Orangewood, would be a deep, deep, cool, refreshing well of the gospel. That you would quarry deep our lives. That that you would dig out the junk and that you would fill them with living waters so that we can drink deeply. Don't let us be satisfied of being near the mouth of the well and rarely drinking. And God, may we drink so abundantly that living water just splashes over all that we do and say. And others come and drink deeply. Oh God, our help in ages past. Come and be our help today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.